the Lord. But tonight, we're going to go in the book of Psalms. And uh, I don't know. <clears throat> we have here some folks that since we're in Psalm 119, thinks we ought to do 118. 17, uh, 17 I mean. But uh, we're not going to do that. And we're not going to do 119. We're going to do Psalm 34. Okay, so. Heavenly Father, thank you for the day. Thank you for the blessing. And uh, Lord, we just pray once again that as we open up your word, that Lord, you will bless it, that you will illuminate it, that it will touch our hearts. And we'll give you praise for it in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay. Now, if you remember on Wednesday night, I talked about the, the different kind of psalms that are there. There are different, different type of psalms. And one of the psalms, um, one of the categories of psalms are what's called alphabetical psalms. Okay, these are psalms that they, they go through the Hebrew alphabet. This is one of them. Okay, this is another one. And again, you can't see it in our English translation because it's completely different. You'd have to be reading it in Hebrew. And if you were reading it in Hebrew, you would be reading from right to left instead of left to right. Okay, so they do things a little bit differently. But it, it, uh, uh, along, there's, um, I think, 10 of these um, psalms that uh, are tied with the Hebrew alphabet. Psalm 119, uh, it, they do it in sections of eight. This one is just every verse. There's 22 verses, and each one of the 22 verses start with a letter of the Hebrew alphabet, a different letter of the Hebrew alphabet. This one is unique because <clears throat> some of the psalms have what's called a subscript. Okay, It's not really part of the psalm, but it's a subscript telling us who wrote it and for what purpose? Now, not all of them have that because, again, we don't know who wrote all of the Psalms. We know who wrote most of the Psalms, uh, but we don't know who wrote all of them. So we have what's called orphaned Psalms. But uh, this one we know because there's a subscription. Now, it might not be in your Bible. It is in mine. Um, but uh, I'll tell you what it is in just a few moments. But um, uh, very, very unique because it tells us a story. Now, here's what it says. It says, a psalm of David, when he changed his behavior before Abimelech, who drove him away, and he departed. Okay, interesting. So what we're going to do is we're going to look at that story first, because that's in the scripture. So keep your finger in Psalm 34 and turn to 1 Samuel. And it's 1 Samuel 21. Now, the story behind it is, uh, if you remember, uh, uh, you know, in studies that, that's happened before, uh, the very first king of Israel was Saul. And uh, David came up as a young man. And uh, he started off by killing Goliath, okay? Um, Goliath was, uh, uh, they called him a giant. He, we are given the measurements, and he was somewhere around nine feet tall, okay? Rather large man. Uh, he had four brothers. They were all large. They were all considered giants. 
reason why they're called giants, well, that you can tell. If he's close to being nine feet tall, that's pretty tall. Well, considering that the average height of a Jewish man in this time was five foot seven. So if you could see why a five foot seven man standing before a man that's almost nine feet tall, you could see why he would be considered a giant. <laughs> okay. Um, they were all afraid to go out and fight this giant. David was the only one that says, hey, isn't there a cause? I'll go fight him. And he goes out and fights him. He says, I come to you in the name of the Lord. And he takes a stone and he takes a sling and he slings the stone and gets him right between the eyes, kills him, goes over, takes his sword and chops his head off. So David becomes a hero. And, he, and they, they get him into the army. Uh, and he's uh, uh, the people... Uh, are thrilled with him. He goes out in the battle and he does good in battle. And so they come up with a song that says, Saul has killed his thousands and David has killed his ten thousands. And so they put a lot of uh, um, emphasis on David. Well, Saul is not right with God at this point and he's actually trying to kill David because he's a threat. The people love him more than they love Saul. And so David is running from Saul. Okay, that's, that's the story behind this. And so um, when we read this, uh, it starts off, if we'll just go to uh, the verse number 10. Okay, and it says, And David arose and fled that day for fear of Saul and went to Achish, the king of Gath. Okay, now Achish... That was his name. His title was Abimelech. And this was interesting. I always thought that was just a name. But Abimelech was a title for the kings in this particular era. Just like Pharaoh. Okay, when it talks about Moses going to Pharaoh. Pharaoh, it wasn't his name. It was his title. Pharaoh was the title. Like King David. Okay. Uh, King Saul. Okay, that isn't their first name. That's their title. Well, um, uh, Achish... Achish was the title, and uh, uh, this particular title, uh, his name was, I mean, Abimelech was the title, and Achish was his, his proper name, and he says, the, the king of Gath. And the servants of Achish said unto him, un, unto uh, uh, Achish, he says, Is not this David the king of the land? Did they not sing one to another of him in his in dances, saying, Saul hath slain his thousands, and David his ten thousands. Uh, so in other words, he's coming to this king, he's fleeing from, from Saul, and he's coming to this king in Gath, and they're enemies, okay? And so the people or the other soldiers, some of the generals go to the king and say, hey, wait a minute, this is this David who's, you know, uh, you know, isn't he the one that they sing that, you know, Saul has a thousand, David has ten thousands? Are you sure you want to have him around? And David laid these words in his heart and was sore afraid of Achish, the king of Gath. So if you can imagine what David's going through, he's running from King Saul because Saul has threatened to kill him and has tried on several occasions and failed. So he runs to this other king in hopes that he can... Uh, you know, go with him for a while 
And yet he hears what these people are saying to that king. So he's afraid. He says, my goodness, everybody's after me. Everybody wants a piece of me. And he changed his behavior before them and feigned himself mad in their hands and subscribed inscribed on, on the doors of the gate and let his spittle fall down upon his beard. Okay, so what he's doing is he's acting like he's having a fit. Okay, and they have a thing about this. You know, they don't, they don't go and kill people that are kind of, you know, off balance and having a fit. And so uh, he's acting like he's having some sort of a fit. He even scratches on the, on the gate, as the, something that a normal man wouldn't do. And he allows uh, his beard to be uh, soiled, which they wouldn't do. They were very, very uh, protective of their beards. As a matter of fact, that was one of the things that they would do if they caught a guy and they thought he was a spy or something. They would shave off his beard and send him back. And then they, they and uh, 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 Larry, that was an insult. And if their beard got shaved off, they, they were ashamed of that and they would go hide until it grew back. And so that's what he's doing. He's acting like he's a crazy man for fear because he knows that if he acts like a crazy man and does things that, that uh, sane men would not do, then, then maybe these people won't kill him. Okay? So that's, that's what he's doing. Okay? And... and uh, and then said Achish unto his servants, Lo, see, the man is mad. Wherefore uh, them have ye brought him to me? Have I need of a madman? Then ye have brought this fellow to play the madman in my presence. Shall this fellow come into my house? So the king Achish says, Man, you got this, this crazy guy, and you're wanting to bring him to my house? I don't want him in my house. And then in verse verse number 1 of 22, it says, And David therefore departed thence and escaped to the cave of Adullam. And when his brethren and all his father's house heard it, they went down thither to him. And uh, and the story continues. Now, while he did that, he wrote this psalm. Okay? And not only is it it an alphabetical one or an acrostic one, but it's a psalm of deliverance. Okay, so let's take a look at it. It's 22 verses, and it covers four different areas. First of all, the first area, verses number one through seven, covers praises. Uh, he praises God for the experiences which he and others have had of God's goodness. Okay, now remember, he's fleeing for his life. People are out to kill him. But yet he praises God for God's goodness. Let's look, let's look what he says. So back to Psalm 34. And he says, I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall be continually in my mouth. My soul shall make her boast in the Lord. The humble shall hear thereof and be glad. Oh, magnify the Lord with me and let us exalt his name together. So again, if you get the picture, here's a guy who's running from someone or from people that are out to kill him, and yet he's like, oh God, oh, why is this happening? He's not doing that. He is praising God. He says, I will bless the God. I will bless the Lord. Praise God. I'll bless him all the time. Uh, he says, uh, the, 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 um, uh, he says, his praise will continually be in my mouth. 
He says, my soul shall make her boast in the Lord. The humble shall hear therefore and be glad. Humble means, you know, uh, submission. And even though things are not going well with David, he's praising God and he's, he understands that God is in control. And then he, he tells us in verse number three, oh, magnify the Lord with me and let us exalt his name together. So uh, as he's writing this, he says, in spite of everything that's going on, let's magnify the Lord. Let's praise God. Let's do it together. Okay? God is good. He's always good. No matter what, no matter what's going on in our lives, God is good. And we need to praise him. And sometimes that's hard. Sometimes when we have trials and tribulations, it's hard to praise God. But that's what we need to do. We need to praise him. We need to exalt his name. Say, well, praise the Lord. You're allowing this to happen to me for a reason. And I'm going to give you praise and I'm going to give you honor for it. The second part of that, verses number four through seven, says, um, uh, he says, uh, I sought the Lord and he heard me and delivered me from all my fears. They looked upon him and were enlightened and their faces were not ashamed. This poor man cried, and the Lord heard him and saved him out of all his troubles. The angel of the Lord camped around about them that fear him and deliver them. Again, if we can get the picture, he's running, and there's all and 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 things are not going well with him. But he's still saying, "I I looked to God, I prayed to Him, and He's delivered me." He, every step of the way. He recognizes that it's God that's delivering him. He recognizes that. And uh, he says, this poor man, he cried. And the Lord heard him and saved me out of all my troubles. And uh, he says, the, 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 Lord, uh, the Lord encamps, encampeth. In other words, he, he surrounds his beloved. Uh, those that uh, uh, listen to him and, and saves them. Uh, out of or delivers them out of trials and tribulations, and um, uh, what what a testimony that David has! That he starts right off glorifying God, praising the Lord, recognizing that God's the one that delivers him. God's the one that's in control. The second division, verses number eight through ten, uh, he encourages all good people to trust in God and to seek Him. Uh, notice what he says uh, in verse number eight. Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. Now, I have that underlined in my Bible because I think that's a good one. Taste and see that the Lord is good. He's always good. In other words, he says, try the Lord. Test him. Taste it. See that he isn't good and then he'll do good. Blessed is the man that trusts in him. Lord, I don't understand why this is going on, but I'm trusting in you. I'm putting my trust in you, that you will take control, that you will be glorified in every situation. I don't like it. I'm sure that David wasn't rejoicing in the fact that he was being chased by kings and wanted to kill him. I'm sure that that isn't the rejoicing. But he's rejoicing in the fact that his God was in control and his God was taking care of the situation and his God was delivering it. So it's just taste Taste and see that the Lord is good and, and, and blessed or happier those that put their trust in him. Then he goes on to say in verse number 9, 9 and 10, he says, Oh, hear the Lord, 
ye his saints, for there is no want to them that fear him. The young lions do lack and suffer hunger, but they that seek the Lord shall not want any good thing. And the, and the want is talking about, you know, uh, we, we have in Philippians, for our, our, you know, our God will su- supply all of our needs according to his riches and glory. And this is the idea here. He's saying, he's saying basically, um, you know, fear the Lord, okay, trust him. And those that trust him uh, will not suffer want. In other words, their, their needs will be taken care of. They'll be uh, in every situation. And he gives a, the illustration of the young lions. He says the young lions, they lack and suffer hunger. But those that seek God will never, never do without. God will always supply their need. And he still does. He supplies our every need. Not always what we want, but always what we need. And, you know, when I, when I look at that, you know, we always tend to think, well, God's going to supply us with all this money and everything. No, he's going to supply what we need. What do we need? Well, sometimes we need to be humbled. Sometimes we need to be challenged. Sometimes we need to have something that's that's going bad so that we will turn to the Lord. So he gives us what we need. And then sometimes he gives us what we want too. It all depends. In Psalm 37, it says, Delight thyself also in the Lord, and he shall give you the desires of your heart. I remember years ago, we we wanted to buy a house in Ontario, California. Ontario is kind of a suburb of Pomona. Okay, uh, and uh, we wanted to buy a house, and there was these houses, and there were five different models. Okay, and they were way out of our price range because I'm just, um, you know, I'm just out of Bible college. I'm a youth pastor. I'm working part time at Alpha Beta Markets. Don't have a whole lot of money. We do have we do have some money for a down payment, but we don't have a whole lot of money. And um, we're, you know, we're trying to serve the Lord the best we possibly can, but we we need a place to live. And we saw this, these housings. And um, we picked the middle house. And it was something like almost 1,600 square feet or something. It was a beautiful house. It wasn't even built yet. But we were in the model, model house. And we actually got down in the bed, master bedroom. And we prayed and we asked God. says, God, if you can receive glory out of this, we'd like to have this house. And um, we, we went in and says, okay, we want to purchase this house. And, you know, we filled out the things. And the guy says, you're not going to get a loan. You don't make enough money. You know, you, you, we're just, I mean, we're, you know, very young. We're just, you know, starting out our family. We've just, we only have the, the, one, the one daughter at the time. And and um, says, you, you just, you don't make enough money. You're not, you're not going to make it. And especially since I said, well, I only want to pay $160 a month. Now, you got to remember, this is way back in the 70s. So $160 a month was a pretty good, pretty good sum. You know, even though today it doesn't hardly anything. But uh, so I only pay $160. No, we had some money for a down payment. And uh, anyway, he says, well, I'll submit this because I have to submit everybody's, I have to submit anything that comes in. But he says, I can tell you right now, you don't even fit in this, this neighborhood. He says, you, you'll never get it. <laughs> we came back a week later and we walked in. The guy just shook his head like this. He says, I do not believe it in one week. He says, we got an approval for you, $154 a month. And he says, I don't believe it. And I says, I do. 
because God gave us the desires of our heart. We were able to watch them as they built the house from the time they graded the ground. We were able to watch every step of them building that house because we gave it to God. We said, we, we desire this not for us, but for your glory. And he gave us that house. And uh, uh, he gave us the desires of our heart. So here he tells David, says the same thing. says, the young lions lack and suffer hunger. But those that seek the Lord shall not want any good thing. If it's good and it's good for us, God will see to it that we have it. What a blessing that is. And then it says, uh, uh, the next division, it says, God gives uh, good counsel to all of us. And we're supposed to take heed of that counsel. In verses number 11 through 14, he says this, Come, my children, hearken unto me. In other words, listen to what I've got to say. I will teach you the fear of the Lord. And again, this morning I mentioned the fear of the Lord. The fear is not being afraid but having respect for God for who he is and who we are and what he can do. He's all-powerful. We put that word in there. He's all-powerful. He's all-knowing. He's all-powerful. He can do what he wants to do, and we can't stop that. Just like we've mentioned the fact that it's appointed unto men once to die, and after this, the judgment, an appointment that we all keep. We, cannot, we can't alter that time. That's in God's hands. See, he's all-powerful. When we understand that, we can praise the Lord because we can say he's all-powerful. He does what he wants to do, and it's in his hands. And I'm not going to fight it because to fight it is to bring upon misery. And so he, he says here in these verses, he says, uh, Come, my children, listen to me. I'll teach you the fear of the Lord. What man is he that desireth life and loveth many days that he may see good? So he asks the question. He says, There's, uh, do we desire life? Do we desire many, many days that we can see good? Sure. I don't know of anybody that, that, that starts off in life and says, well, I hope I die soon. The only ones that ever say that, matter of fact, the only ones that, ever, that I know of that ever say that and really mean that are people who are really, really sick and they know that it's coming and they say, Lord, I'm ready. Take me, take me home. When we go and see Pat, and it's always her, you know, I don't know how come the Lord keeps me here. I sure wish we could go home. You know, her life is, is not, you know, very pleasant, but yet she's willing to be what God wants her to be. That's the key. I remember my mother-in-law would say that, at, at, you know, in, in her mid-90s. And she would pray at nighttime, and, and um, her memory was shot, okay? But yet she, she remembered her God, and she could remember hymns, okay? Because she, I could hear her singing a hymn when she sang. But I would hear her pray occasionally, Lord, I'm ready to come home. But if you have... Job for me to do, I'm willing to do it. You know, let me let me be a blessing to somebody. Okay, and so David is saying that. He said, "What what what, what man is there that desires life and, and loves many days that he can see good?" And here's what he says to do. Verse number thirteen. It says, "Keep thy tongue from evil, 
and thy lips from speaking guile. Depart from evil and do good. Seek peace and pursue it. So he says, yeah, you want life and you want long, long life and you want good things. He says, keep your tongue from evil. Watch what you say, basically. That's the interpretation. Watch what you say. Ask God for wisdom that we say the right things. And, you know, so often we, we want to speak our mind. That's not always a good thing. Okay? So watch what we say. Guard our lips. He says, uh, uh, keep uh, their tongues from evil. Keep thy lips from speaking guile. That's being, being deceptive. Okay? Telling the truth. And then it says, depart from evil. Do good. Seek peace and pursue it. Pursue it means go after peace. Do what's necessary to make peace with people. It says, then our lives will be rich and full. Now, David could say that. I mean, he's, again, he is running for his life, but he still recognizes that he has a relationship with God that he has to maintain and a relationship for other people that he has to maintain. And so he says, you know, you know, Tell the truth. Be wise in what you're saying. Uh, keep yourself from sin. Pursue after it. Seek after peace. And um, unfortunately, he doesn't do that his entire life. And he, he's a man of war a little bit later on. But he has the right idea. Verse number 15 through 22. God set, set before him good and evil and blessings and cursings. Okay. God gives us a choice. Verse number 15, it says, The eyes of the Lord are upon the righteous, and his ears are open unto their cry. God sees us. You can run, but you cannot hide. David, again, uh, in Psalm uh, 139, he talks about, he says, Where shall I flee from thy presence? i Go up to heaven, you're there. If I make my bed in hell, you're there. If I go to the uttermost parts of the sea, behold, there, you're there. He said, no matter where I am, you're there. And here he's saying basically the same thing. He says, the eyes of the Lord are upon the righteous. And he says, and his ears are open unto their cry. But notice it says the righteous. Does he hear the cry of the unrighteous? Only if they're crying out for mercy. Okay. But he hears us. The face of the Lord, verse number 16, is against them that do evil to cut off the remembrance of them from the earth. The face of the Lord is against them that do evil. Sometimes we see people, evil people, and it seems like they're getting away with things. Well, they're not getting away with things. It appears as though they're getting away with their evilness, but they're not. Payday comes someday. God sees it, they'll be rewarded according to, the, to their deeds. If there's no repentance, they have to stand before God someday and give an account. Just as we have to stand before the Lord and give an account, God says that they will have to stand before him and give an account of every wicked, evil thing that they have done and then be pronounced guilty and cast into the lake of fire. Oh, what a wonderful thing to think of what grace is. Grace, grace and mercy per, takes that away from us because it's all taken care of in Christ. Um, it says in verse number 17, it says, The righteous cry 
and the Lord hears and delivers them out of their troubles. Okay? It says the righteous cry unto the Lord and he hears. Uh, David would know. He would know. He says, I cried unto the Lord and he heard me. And he heard me and he delivered me out of my trouble. And does anybody get into trouble? <laughs> uh, I don't have to seek trouble. Trouble finds me. Okay, we get into trouble. And uh, matter of fact, Job said uh, that um, man that's born of woman, so that's all of us, it says is, is, trouble is like the sparks that fly upward. It says they're always there. And uh, it seems like we're in one uh, trouble right after another trouble. But it says that he hears us. He hears us when we call out to him and he delivers us. Now, when, when it says it delivers, he doesn't necessarily take the trouble away, but he helps us go through it. Okay? And sometimes that's a good thing. David said that um, before he was afflicted, that he wandered. That he wandered away from the Lord and that he was glad that he was afflicted because that brought him back in fellowship with God. So troubles happen. He hears our prayers. He does deliver us, but it's not always taking, the tro- taking us out of the trouble. The deliverance sometimes has given us the strength to go through the trouble and, and uh, uh, pass through to the other side. Um, verse number 18, it says, The Lord is nigh unto them that are of a broken heart, and saveth such as are of a contrite spirit. Okay? So what God is looking for is that broken heart. That broken heart. There are some that, uh, that when the trouble comes, all they do is shake their fist at God and, and uh, complain that it's all God's fault when many times it's not God's fault at all. It's their own wickedness. It's their own choices that they've made. God's allowed it to happen. And they shake their fist at God, blame God, and they don't listen. What he's looking for, he's looking for those that have a broken heart. I, when, when I read that, I think of, of uh, uh, um, the two brothers, Cain and Abel. And uh, Cain got himself into trouble because he decided to bring an offering that was contrary to what God had told him to bring. And as a result, he and his brother got into an argument. Okay? And the argument was over religion. You read it and read it and contemplate on that because that's what it was all about. They had uh, uh, they had the two offerings. Abel brought the appropriate one. Cain didn't. He brought an offering, which is good, but it was his own works, and God did not accept that offering. Now we're not told exactly what took place, but we can we can kind of figure out what took place. They were out and they were out in the fields one day, and they were talking about it. Okay, and these weren't just, you know, we get, sometimes we get the pictures of Cain and Abel and their two young boys. No, they were men. Okay, probably 100 years old. They were men. And uh, they were talking about it. And Cain got angry at Abel because Abel was probably was saying, well, if you would have brought the right sacrifice, God would have accepted your sacrifice. And Cain got mad at his brother and killed him. Picked up his own. Now, I don't think it was premeditated. I think out of the heat and anger of the time, he, he picked up something and killed his brother and killed him. Well, like I said, you can run from God, but you can't hide. And God confronted Cain with what he had done. And uh, he says, is my, is, my, 
Am I the, my brother's keeper? I don't know. What, I don't know where he's. You know, I don't know. God says it was blood's already in the ground. It's crying up. And when you read that, God is trying to deal with with Cain, but instead of Cain repenting and saying I did wrong, Cain says, "Oh, this this uh, this punishment is too great," and he runs. He runs away. It's too great. God is too terrible. It's too great. And that's what a lot of people do. When the trials come, they say, oh, this is terrible. God doesn't love me anymore. Poor, pitiful me. Nobody loves me. Everybody hates me. I'm going to go out and eat worms. You know, rather than saying, well, praise God. I don't understand why this is happening, but praise the Lord. I know he's in control and he'll take care of it. Whatever it is, he'll give me the strength to get it through. And if the worst comes to worst, he'll take me home and I'll be better off anyway. When I was having, uh, when I was having my physical problems a year ago, <laughs> it was one night I was praying that, oh, Lord, take me home. <laughs> get this over with. I can't take this anymore. The pain was so, so intense. But uh, God's in control. And so he says that he wants a broken heart and a contrite spirit, one that is willing to submit. That's what contrite means, willing to submit. And he says one that's willing to submit to God and do what God tells him to do. And that's what, that's what the Lord said to Cain. He says, you know, if he had done right, you would have been accepted. You would be accepted. But Cain refused. Okay? And so uh, that's what God's looking for. It says, many are the afflictions of the righteous, but the Lord delivers them out of them all. So we have all of our afflictions, but God is a deliverer. He helpeth all his bones. Now, verse number 20 says, he keepeth all of his bones, not one of them is broken. This is kind of a parenthesis right here. Because it's actually talking about Christ. It's mentioned several times, even in when it when it's uh, when you read the Gospels, it talks about this was done according to the to the scriptures, and it refers to this passage of scripture that his bones uh, uh, were not broken; not one of them were broken, because that's what they did in crucifixion. They would eventually, if they didn't die uh, uh, a natural death, they would come through and they would break the legs. And uh, to, to, to prevent them from moving up and down so that they would die speedily. But he didn't do that to, to the Lord. And, 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 and uh, uh, the emphasis here, he says, he keepeth all of his bones. Not one of them is broken. Um, it's an idea that, you know, God's not going to allow us to be broken beyond repair. Okay. Evil shall slay the wicked. And they that hate the righteous shall be desolate. The last thought is evil shall slay the wicked. In other words, payday comes someday, and a person who's wicked, it comes back to bite them. They don't get away with it. It comes back and it destroys them. Okay? If not in this life, it will destroy them when they stand before the, uh, the judgment seat of God. Okay? So he says, evil will slay the wicked. Okay? The haters of righteousness shall be desolate. Uh, have you ever run across a person that's, that's extremely bitter in their life? Their lives are miserable. 
Everything, everything in their life is miserable. They're just miserable people and they're miserable to be around. Okay, and that's because they've allowed evil to control their lives. And they've allowed whatever the situation that has started this, they've allowed that to dictate to them rather than turning it over to God. I've even known Christians that were bitter. Okay, and... Um, Bitterness destroys people. That's what evil does. It destroys. Okay? And uh, they become desolate. Verse number 22, the last one on this, it says, The Lord redeemeth the soul of the servants, and none of them that trust in him shall be desolate. Or he says that evil will destroy people, and they'll be desolate. He says those that have put their trust in the Lord will never be desolate. We can always say, praise God. He's good. He's always good. And so praise God. He's always good. I hope when I was reading this, it was a blessing to my heart to see what David was going through and to see his attitude towards all the things that he was going through. He still praised the Lord. He still praised God. And, uh, you know, that's a challenge to my heart. No matter what we go through, we need to praise the Lord because he will see to it that we never wind up desolate as long as we're praising the Lord. Heavenly Father, thank you once again for your word. What a blessing it is. Help us to be reminded, Lord, that you seek a person with a broken heart, a contrite spirit. You are seeking those that will put their trust in you and you alone. You're seeking those that will praise your name in every situation. And Lord, help us uh, to develop that in our hearts and in our lives. We give you praise for it in Jesus' name.